Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Famer and author of View from the Center, Tim Grunhard, joins former Kansas City Chiefs lineman Joe Valerio on our show. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be on with you guys. It's good to see you, Joe. Joe's doing a great job in 810 WHB every week, and I uh, enjoy listening to him. And uh, Jeff, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you uh, and your company, Triumph Books, have just done an unbelievable job of helping me get this book out. I know we're going to talk about it, but I wanted to make sure to thank uh, thank you and then thank everybody at the office. Went and met with you guys a couple of weeks ago. Uh, great people over there, man. You guys do a wonderful job. Well, well, thanks so much, Tim. And great having you on the show. You mentioned Joe is a 10 radio gig. You know, Tim, you were a second round pick, lineman chosen by the Chiefs. I've had such a successful career on radio on A-10. Joe, also second round lineman. Now he's appearing on the A-10. Is he like stepping on your toes a little bit here? What's the deal? Well, you know what? That's been Joe's kind of M.O. since he first got into Kansas City. We're not going to go through his story again because I'm sure everybody's like, not again, please. But, you know, I mean, Joe used to score all these touchdowns and he'd be, you know, we'd be walking up the tunnel together and I'd be all beat up and sore, blood coming out of my ears and my nose. And Joe would walk up and all these little kids would run up to get Joe's autograph and they just walk right by me. So, uh, you know, I said, Joe, I said, you know, that's what happens. You know how many touchdowns I scored, Joe, in four years of Pop Warner, four years of high school, four years of college, and 11 years in the NFL? Zero. So, uh, so Joe, Joe, uh, Joe certainly has that on me. Uh, Tim, I have been trying to follow in your footsteps ever since, my man. You, you were, you were, and I, we say this on the show all the time, you were, you were my role model. You were my mentor. You were the guy that helped keep me around in the league. You know, it's a small school guy who still to this day says that Penn could not beat Penn State or Notre Dame. I'm sure anybody says I'm getting that out right now. But, Tim, you were, dude, you were such a role model, such an inspiration uh, for not just the Chiefs. You just epitomized the the bring your lunch pail uh, offensive line mentality to that city. And, Tim, you were literally one of the building blocks that brought this organization to where it is today, favored to win Super Bowls favored to win AFCs. You know, you were the guy that they built that whole line around. I don't care what anybody says. You were you were the pivot point. I know there were some veterans that were there, uh, you know, Alty and Lutz and Baldinger and all those guys. But Tim, no doubt, you were the pivot. No, no pun intended, because you were the center. But you were the guy right at the middle of that that rebuild that really epitomized what the city was all about and got us and got Marty Ball going. And Tim, for that, I will always be indebted to you, man, for the, the mentorship and taking me under your wing and showing me how, how it should be done. And, and not just in football, but in life, my man. Well, we're all about puns today because of you yeah. from the center and the book uh, we're going to talk a little bit about. And Joe, uh, yeah, so uh, I always felt it was important to you know pass it on. And Mike Webster did it to me. It's a great yep. story here how Mike – uh, pretty much saved my career. And there's just a lot of great people. And you talk about how uh, the the football in the 90s kind of built the foundation for this kingdom, Chiefs kingdom. 
guys like you, Joe, and guys like, uh, you know, Joe Montana and Marcus Allen and Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and Dan Salyamua and Dave Zott talk about all those guys in the book and how we built this foundation, which was so important back then, because in the 80s, the foundation was cracked. The foundation was falling apart. And Marty and Carl came in with a guy named Tim Conley. I don't know if you remember Tim, but Tim Conley was a, uh, an expert at marketing and said, hey, listen, we've got to get the fan seats. And it's not can't be just with wins and losses. It's got to they have to be invested in the pr- product. They have to be invested in the team. And that was what was so important to uh, Marty and Carl is to get the players out. Joe, you did it too. I mean, we went out into the community. We went to high schools, went to hospitals, did radio shows. You know, uh, we would we ran into people at the Price Chopper or the Hen House or or the High V. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of a point of emphasis for us to make sure you make people feel comfortable. And I always felt comfortable in that role. And I talk a little bit about a story in the book. And listen, once again, I don't want to say anything negative about an ex-football player who actually passed away, but Walter Payton, I waited in line for two and a half, three hours to get an autograph from Walter Payton one time at the Evergreen Park Mall in Chicago. And, uh, you know, I was about eight or nine years old. I had this photo of him that you had to buy when you got into the mall and you bought the photo and you walked up and that's how you, you know, obviously he got paid, but, you know, he signed the autograph and, you know, gosh, it was a two hour line. So, I mean, I'm sure he was miserable by the time this two hours. Both of us have done autograph things. And after a while, you get tired. I mean, it's but you have to force yourself to make eye contact and, you know, and, and be and, and be representing represent yourself or represent the team. And he I just kind of he kind of decided and pushed it on, never really looked up. And it wasn't disappointed. I was just like, you know, this is my idol. I just wanted to make eye contact. I just wanted him to know that I was there for him. And he didn't really respond. And I, from that point on, I said, if I ever, ever in this opportunity, I am going to be the kind of guy that when you come up to me, as I'm going to give you eye contact, I'm going to say hello, shake your hand, ask how you're doing, and then sign. But it makes a difference. And that's what we tried to do here in, in the book is talk about why we did those things and why this Chiefs Kingdom came about. Uh, and, um, you know, it was really important as you look at, gosh, I, I love your background and you see all those fans in the stands. I remember in the eighties, I mean, they didn't have anybody in the mm-hmm. stands. They had to rotate people around. So the TV shots look good, you know, because there was nobody there. Mm-hmm. And then now you and I have been able to play in just unbelievable atmospheres at Arrowhead stadium. And it all really started with those guys in the nineties built the foundation for this kingdom. Absolutely. Tim. So what, you know, obviously, look, you, you stayed in the city, you, you raised your family there, you know, you, you, you made that your home. And I know how much that meant to the Chiefs kingdom and you're coaching football there. Like you have given back. I mean, tell us about the inspiration to share this stuff with the new generation of fans, because there's, you know, there's a there's a whole generation of fans that knows the story because they saw you live it, you know, while while your career was going on. And then was it was it really just that desire to pass along all those great things of the foundation that you talked about? And that was the inspiration for the book? Yeah, great question. Yeah, that, that was really the inspiration. And there's a whole generation of Chiefs fans that now go to the game that, you know, weren't around, obviously, during the 90s. So they didn't uh, experience that uh, rebirth of the kingdom. And uh, we just wanted to explain to them you know, who was uh, responsible and why we did it and how we did it and how important it was for us uh, to get people back excited about being Kansas City Chiefs. Like I said, listen, we didn't win any Super Bowls in the 90s. You know, we won a lot of football games, but 
But, you know, the personal relationships that were built, Joe, through these radio shows. And listen, we, we, I guess you could call it social influencers yeah. uh, because there was no social media back then. The way that you got out into the communities by, you know, getting in your car and driving and going over to restaurants or sports bars or going to hospitals or high schools or going to events, you know, and, and selling the product, which was not only uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, but it was us. We sold the product to get people here. And I just want to let people know about the guys like Joe Montana, how much they loved being in Kansas City, like Marcus Allen, how much he loved being in Kansas City. I wanted to tell the stories of the un untold stories of the John Alts of the world who played here and the Dan Selyamuas who played here and the Dave Zotts who played here. Uh, so that was really important to me is to share a little bit about the history of the Chiefs for this new generation of Chiefs fans. And Joe, just, and I listened to you. I, I listen to you on 810 and I listen to you on your podcast. I really do. And um, uh, the, the, the energy and enthusiasm and the love for the game that you have is contagious. Our job as ex-NFL players or alumni of the NFL is to keep selling our product. And if you can say one thing during a radio show or a podcast that makes somebody enjoy the game a little bit more, whether they're sitting in the stands or watching on TV, then you've done your job. You know, they, I'm, I, I've had people say, hey, you know, Granny, you talked about how if that if that defensive end was shifting inside that they were going to bring some pressure off the edge. And I saw that happen. I was like, wow, hey, check this out. They're going to blitz here. And they did. And it just made them feel good that they understood the concept of what was trying to go down in the game. Mm -hmm. And our job is to get people to love this football game, not only love the Kansas City Chiefs, but love the NFL and love this game of football that gave us so much. One of the cool things, uh, how Tim uh, talks about in the book about establishing Chiefs Kingdom, I mean, there's a whole generation of Chiefs fans that all they know really is Patrick Mahomes or or maybe a little bit uh, further back at a Andy Reid. I, I grew up, you know, rooting for you guys, um, and I, I'm old enough that I, I, I remember the lean years, so how exciting you guys re-energized, really just energized the fan base that that was was used to losing tailgating scene like tim said go getting out in the community so i think it's awesome that this is uh uh discussed in view from the center and we're going to get more into view from the center and the current chiefs but first a quick uh word from our sponsor bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball nfl NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, Joe, this is such a fun read. Uh, we're here. We're, we're talking about view from the center because we're here with the author, Tim Grunhard, former uh, Chiefs lineman. It's such a fun read. Really, I think the best part is actually the editing, the way it was crafted. <laughs> yeah. jokes, jokes aside, I, I think my favorite part, Tim, that <coughs> epic game, you so uh, do a good job of talking about that epic Broncos Chiefs game, Montana Elway, when Montana leaves him. That, that's the game, Joe, you had that, that touchdown pass. Tim, Take take listeners through what you talk about, what Joe was like in the huddle and calming everybody down. Yeah, it's a, that was a fun story. And, you know, Joe Montana is famous for getting back into the huddle and uh, kind of loosening guys up in a tense situation. 
And we were certainly in a tense situation on that Monday night football game against John Elway. As uh, to be really honest with you, I don't know if you remember this, Joe, but I was blocking Ted Washington and I think Ted beat me across my face and actually caused the fumble that Marcus Allen uh, fumbled. So I think, oh, my God, number one, it was my fault that we fumbled the ball and gave the ball back to John Elway. So if we lose this game, I mean, it's going to be miserable coming back in on Monday. So that was the first thing that I was worried about. The second thing that I was worried about is, you know, that we never beat uh, uh, Denver up there in a long time. I mean, never, but it's been a long time since we beat Denver up in Denver. John Elway has been the um, architect of many comebacks against the Chiefs. Well, he brings it down the field and scores, and then we get out there. I think it was like a minute 20 or a minute 18 or something like that left in the game. And Joe walks out there, and we're pretty tense. I mean, number one is we weren't used to being in these situations. Number two, uh, you know, John Elway has done this to us so many times. It was like, oh, here we go again. And, and number three, we had a long way to go. So, uh, you know, the first thing that Joe said is, hey, uh, you know, hey, listen, guys, you know, remember now, the, the, we're, the opponent here is the clock. It's not the down and distance. It's the clock. You know, so make sure you get out of bounds. And he said, oh, by the way, did you guys see those cheerleaders out there during the break? He said, did you see the chaps on those girls? He said, man, they're hot looking. And we're looking around. He's like, guys, relax a little bit. My God. He said, this is what I do. I'm like, we're going to go down and we're going to score a touchdown. And that's, that's what's going to happen. So let's go do it. And we all kind of looked at each other and we, we kind of smiled and said, Hey, we got the, we have the, the number one comeback kid of all time. So let's go down and do it. And we went down and scored and it was just a great game. But, you know, that's the kind of guy Joe Montana was. He was very confident, uh, but he knew how to read the room or read the huddle. And he did a good job of doing that. And it, it, it talks, that's one of my favorite games. I think it might be the number one favorite game of all time. We talk about a lot of the poker that was going on, you know, in the locker room before the game, on the sideline, and then during the game. And uh, Joe Montana was really the guy that was dealing the cards. I mean, he was yeah. the guy that uh, kept us kept us focused, kept us in the game, and then obviously won the football game for us. Joe, cool. Yeah, you know, you know, Tim, one of the things that I loved about Joe while we're on that topic <laughs> is, you know, while he was the guy who made it fun, I use him in lessons in, you know, stuff I've been doing in the corporate world ever since uh, with people and in leadership, you know, talks. He was a guy, I never met anybody that prepared as much as he did. Like he was deep into his career. He already won four Super Bowls. He had already been the MVP multiple times, right? He, he was, he had done it all. He is still in my mind, the goat, no doubt. I don't care what anybody says. I never saw anybody prepare as much as he did. At that age, he was still taking notes. He was, he was always asking questions. He was prepared. He was present. Like to me, that, speaks even more volumes about that kind of leadership and the fact that he could mix it with that fun and making it fun and that we were we were playing a kid's game I think that to me was one of the ultimate leadership moments in my eyes and I think it just goes dovetails dovetails right what you were saying about what he did in that huddle yeah Joe a, a great story I don't want to get into because I don't want to give too much away that's in the book <laughs> but uh there's a nice story about Joe Montana the very first time I met him when we went out for dinner so you got to read it to get it. But I will tell you this. I got home very, very late and Sarah was not too happy. <laughs> so the next morning I got up and went to the meeting and I wasn't feeling that great, if you know what I mean. And I got in there, I was wearing sweatpants and a white T-shirt, probably had stains on it. My hair was all disheveled and I walked into the room and there's Joe Montana, who I was with until a couple hours earlier than that, to not to give away too much. 
he was sitting there like he was getting ready for a Gillette commercial. His hair was perfect. <laughs> he was freshly shaved. He looked great. He had his notes out and he looked at me and just shook his head. And I, I said, there's a pro for you. But Joe also, but Joe also was a guy that loved to have fun. Uh, as, 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 uh, as Joe uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, he would pull some pranks, but there was one prank that was pulled on him. I don't even know if it was a prank, but we thought it was a prank. Uh, you know, Joe's locker was right next to mine. And one day he got a poster tube uh, from MGM and, uh, and it said Rudy Rudiger on it. <laughs> and, and, and like all year, that was when Rudy came out the movie and we were pimping him the whole time about it. I said, Joe, you carried Rudy off the field. Yeah. Joe, you laid your, your jersey on the table for Rudy to play. And he's like, that little rat bastard. Ah, yeah. was, <laughs> you know, we were just kind of razzing him that Rudy was the most famous guy on that football team. And he, you know, he and he, it got under his skin for one reason or another. So uh, I saw this poster board in it. I didn't put this in the book so I could tell the story, but there's a lot of stories like this in the book. So I said, you know, what am I going to do here? Cause if he gets this before I do, he is never going to open this and show up. Now this is a federal offense. You know, you <laughs> mail. But you know, in the locker room, there's a lot of federal offenses you probably get away with. But uh, so uh, I opened it up and it was a poster of the Rudy movie and it was signed on it from Rudy said to Joe, I hope you reach your dreams like I did, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. So I put the poster up on that little chalkboard that used to sit next to between the lockers, Joe yeah. and mine, and then Joe. And then and Joe walked up and he said, that little son of a blank. <laughs> and he took the poster, he rolled it up. He didn't, he didn't rip it up. I give him credit for that. He, yeah. but, uh, but that was the kind of guy Joe was. He, you know, he can give it out, but he can also take it too. That's yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of the locker room hijinks and stuff like that <laughs> in a view from uh, center. Um, guys, let's talk about the current Chiefs a little bit. Big game coming up. Chiefs Buccaneers uh, Super Bowl rematch from '54. How do you guys see this game uh, going? Well, first of all, I just don't know where they're going to play it. I mean, I have a feeling that uh, Tampa is going to take the brunt of this hurricane. And even if the weather's nice on Sunday, just the infrastructure and everything else and the people that are working, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be uh, evacuating out and they got to come back in. So there's a lot of talk about maybe playing it in Miami. It's not going to get hit as direct as Tampa mm -hmm. is. And then they always have San Antonio that they play games in. It's kind of like a, a last resort. So it'll be interesting to see how that all works out as the week goes on. This is a huge game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Tampa Bay is a little banged up. Uh, defensively and offensively, they just not have not been hitting on all cylinders either. So this is a game where, you know, the Chiefs have got to find that uh, uh, that momentum. They have to find a uh, little continuity and consistency, especially on the offensive side. And special teams has been just a disaster, especially last week. I mean, that was terrible. And Joe, as you know, Marty would say all the time, you got to win in two or three areas in a, in a football game, especially on the road. And that's either offensive defense or offensive special teams. But the Chiefs lost in two or three areas. They lost on the offensive side mm -hmm. and they lost in special teams. And that's why you lose football games. I don't care if you're and, – and that's the beauty of the NFL. That's why the NFL is so popular. That's why everybody loves to watch it. Because any team could beat any other team mm -hmm. on any given Sunday. You know, you, you, you know, Penn, you know, would, would, would have give uh, Penn state a good game, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, Penn state probably would win if they yeah. play each other. But, uh, but in the NFL, you know, you can have an Owen five or Owen six or Owen seven team, you know, spark up and beat a six and O or seven and O team. That's just the way the NFL is. So you got to bring your a game every game and they just didn't do it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just proof is in the pudding, right, Tim? It, it's, it's been since ni- 1972 since the team has gone undefeated. So, you know, I think it's just a chance for Chiefs fans to take a pause, say, okay, it was a debacle, right? I mean, it, what there was really not anything that could have more that could have gone wrong, really. I've, I haven't seen that many miscues, mistakes, weird things happen in a game. You got a backup kickers missing stuff. They try the field goal, fake field goal. That doesn't work. The, 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 the Chris Jones penalty to yeah. keep that drive alive, like the muff punts, like, it was a comedy of errors, right? I mean, it just so I, I think she's saying just take a pause. They weren't going to go undefeated. Let's just let's be honest, right? Even though everybody has aspirations and you want to have people at the helm saying, Yes, we're going twenty and oh, we're going twenty one and oh. Yeah, you want that mentality, but you have to understand you're not they're not going to. It's it's been, you know, what, fifty years since a team has gone undefeated. So I think it's a chance for everybody to regroup. I think Patrick said it best. You know, we're going to learn from this, just like we always did, Tim, right? Marty came in, we learned, you, you got better that week, and, and, and you kind of moved on. 12 o'clock rule, right? I said that today on 810. And also, Tim did make a point. You brought up a great point. Special teams, man. Like, Marty, I, and I wouldn't say that time on special teams as offense and defense, because, you know, offense and defense, you're doing 70, 80 plays in a game. And special teams, you're not. But I would say we probably spent two-thirds as much time on offense or on special teams as we did offense and defense. And it showed. It showed in the way we performed. So, uh, you know, a lot to learn from this game. I think Chiefs fans take heart. You know, everybody had a bad look. Bills lost. It just was a it's a crazy week in the NFL. Yeah, it's funny how week three a lot of times is the week of upsets. Mm-hmm. And if you look at over the – you know, the 20, 25 years of the NFL and the history of it, you see a lot of upsets. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, teams are starting to get tendencies on other teams. You have two games that you can look at and you can see where guys are struggling. Listen, the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs right now is not playing very well. Orlando Brown is struggling. He made a journeyman defensive end look like an All-American or, I mean, an All-Pro uh, out there last week. And then the, even the guys inside that have been the consistent guys really didn't play very well either. Uh, so, uh, you know, there are defensive coordinators are over there. They're looking at saying, okay, how can we take advantage of some of the things that chiefs aren't very good at, or some of the things they struggle with. And that's what happened, uh, in the game. I think you saw that all around the NFL is that week three is a time where teams have some, they have some video to look at. They can put together a game plan off of uh off of the first two weeks and and uh so some of these things do happen so yeah it's part of uh the the process of uh of of the nfl and listen the nfl is the most popular sport for a reason because like we talked about a little bit earlier everybody has a chance to win and then so we go into this tampa game uh they'll be interesting to do there's going to be some adjustments that are going to have to be made by both teams whether it's a different place to play whether it's different travel schedule whether it's where they're staying hotels if they can stay in the tampa area if they're going to be evacuees or staying in hotels who knows what's going to happen so there's going to be a lot of adjustments a team that can make those adjustments and teams that can roll with the flow a little bit i think it's a team that's going to win the football game the thing that concerns me a little bit joe and jeff and i in and uh, and this is one thing that's been rearing its ugly head a little bit is Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes just don't seem to be on the, the same page a lot. And it kind of happened in the Bengal game. And now really after week two weeks of kind of calm and cool collective minds, you know, you saw it rear its ugly head a little bit in week three. Uh, so, you know, and I always tell people, hey, listen, if you're a player, you know, they, everybody has a role. The coaches coach, the players play, the fans cheer. All right. The fans can't play. Fans can't coach. Coaches can't play and players can't coach. And uh, I think at times players think that they, you know, they because they've had success or because they, 
know, uh, you know, what they want to do, that they're now going to make some decisions in, in the coaching area. And that just doesn't work. Let the coaches coach. Listen, you can disagree, but don't be disagreeable. And it just seems to me that there's been some disagreeable uh, actions that have been going on, and that needs to settle down. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, uh, maybe it's time for him to, you know, go and find a uh, offensive coordinator job or a head coaching job in college if he can't get in the NFL, because it just doesn't seem like they're all on the same page. And hopefully that gets worked out. That is a kink, and that is a worry of mine as we go into the rest of the season. You know, I actually think a great point about the, the offensive issues. I think this game, first of all, it would be interesting if it shifts from uh, Tampa, the scene of uh, Super Bowl 55, to Miami, the, the scene of uh, Super Bowl 54. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's actually going to be kind of a de- defensive-oriented game and low scoring. I mean, the Bucks defense is playing out of their mind. They held the, the Packers scoreless in the second half, uh, lost the game last week, but really impressive and the chiefs defense i've actually really been uh, impressed with nick bolton played like a man with his hair on fire last week do you guys see uh, so i'm kind of seeing a low scoring uh, game chiefs to eke it out what do you guys think here i'm going to defer to tim he's he's I, you know I, I want to hear what his thoughts are because i talk all this every week on this thing and we're so lucky to have tim so what do you think tim yeah i, I think it'll be a low scoring game too it'll be interesting to see how tom brady uh, make some adjustments against his Chiefs defense. The Chiefs defense is fast, is very athletic. Now Gay has has been suspended, so mm-hmm. that hurt a little bit. Uh, but uh, there are some athletes on the defensive side. And listen, you know, once again, like like Joe made a great point, talking a little bit about just the weird things that happened. Chris Jones has got to be smarter than that. I don't know what he said. And you know, should they have thrown a flag? I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. But you know what? It's a point of emphasis in the NFL right now. So why push the button? Why why put yourself yeah. in that position? That's what this aggravates me. You got to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, mm-hmm. we're all emotional people. I mean, you yeah. know, we're, we're all guys that want to win football games. You listen, if you beat me in checkers, I may throw the board down on the ground. All right. But uh, I, you know, but you, you got to be smart and you got to uh, make good decisions. And those are the little things that the Chiefs have got to be able to do against a guy like Tom Brady, because Tom Brady, if you're going to make some selfish mistakes, if you're not going to do your job and you're trying to do other people's job or you if you if you have some key penalty, Tom Brady will beat you. He's that good. So I think it's going to be a low scoring game, too. I don't know. I haven't studied this game enough. I'm still licking my wounds with this Colts game, but uh, but it'll be uh, interesting. I think this is a game of it's going to be what team is more motivated, what team mm-hmm. wants it more, and what team's going to go out there. And like we said a little bit earlier, the team that's going to have to make those adjustments and make those little uh, um, uh the little issues that are going to crop up with this weather issue, uh, you know, not a big problem. And, you know, Andy Reid usually does a pretty good job of that. So I, I like the Chiefs just for the the intangibles of this football game. Mm-hmm. I'll just add that, Tim. That's awesome insight. Thank you. I, I And I'll add to it just I, I think one of the key factors, too, is going to be uh, the orneriness of Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, too. I think Everybody in the locker room is going to be looking to those two on both sides, right? The Bucks and, and the Chiefs. And they're going to be looking at those two for some leadership, I think, coming off of really strange weeks, right? You know, I think everybody's obviously looking at Patrick Mahomes, what happened in that game and, and his, his confrontation with Eric Bieniemy. So I, I, think, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on, and not, not 100%, but how the team looks at those two and how those two react. I'm really anxious to see and eager to see how they come out of the locker room and how they handle this week, most importantly. Because, you know, Tim, 
that's the most, the most important. You win games from Tuesday to Saturday. You don't win games on Sunday. Absolutely. I used to tell I, when I was coaching high school football, I used to tell the kids all the time, you don't win games on Friday night. You win in January and February and on Tuesday before the game. And I think that's going to be a lot. It's going to factor in, in heavy to this. Awesome stuff. Yep, you're right. Uh, great analysis, guys. Tim, thanks for joining us. Uh, a view from the center, definitely go out and read it, uh, Chiefs fans. Tim, tell tell fans where they can go and, and, and get this book. And, and I don't know if there's a signing or upcoming that you want to mention here. Yeah, so uh, you can go to timgrunhart.com uh, and you'll get an autographed uh, a, a book automatically if you buy it from the website there. But you can get it at any of the brick and mortar places around Kansas City right now. Uh, uh, at uh, Barnes and Noble, I think they have them at Target and Walmart. Uh, they're going to have them at the Hen House, the High V, and the Price Chopper. Uh, but if you go online to Amazon or you go online to some of the other book sites, um, you know you can get it anywhere between thirty and twenty-five bucks, depending on what site you go to. Uh, but TimGrunhart.com will get you an autographed uh, a copy. And like I said, guys, uh, it was a lot of fun to write. Uh, it brought back a lot of great memories. Joe was involved with a lot of the memories. Jeff did a great job of, of working with uh, uh, with the book and editing the book, and and you know him and I kind of going back and forth about some different things and the title and everything else. It was great. It all worked out well, and I'm happy the Triumph was able to help me. And then uh, October eighth, I will have a book signing at the uh, Barnes and Nobles in Blue Springs. Had about three or four last week. This week's a little bit slower, but uh, well, we'll be out and about doing some stuff. Jack Grunny sixty one. Fantastic, Tim. The book's amazing. <laughs> Everybody has to read it. Young fans, older fans who followed us. It's, it's, it's got something for everybody. It keeps all those memories alive, the foundation. It's fantastic, Tim. Thanks for, for sharing all that and getting that all out of your head and heart and, and sharing that with the Chiefs Kingdom and, and, and beyond. It's, I'm sure that there's going to be a ton of folks that are going to see that just to get some perspectives on the NFL and your career. So fantastic stuff, bud. Really proud of you. It was amazing to read. Wow. Thank you, Joe. You've been special in my life for a long, long time. You and Jen and, and the girls and everybody else. So thank you guys so much for having me on anytime. We'd love to pop back in here in a couple months and check back in during the holiday season. But uh, you guys stay safe uh, and let's see if we can get a football uh, a victory here with the Chiefs down in Florida, maybe this weekend. Thanks so much, Tim. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.